Welcome in, uh, to another episode of A Pastor and His People. Uh, this is Pastor Dave Keene. Today I'm here with John Whitaker and Pastor Grant Hinson. Hello. Um, we are going to be looking at our sermon from this past week. We uh, kind of finished up Third John. Um, uh, guys, you, don't you love this little book? It's a great one. It, it's got a lot of nuggets in there, man. Fifteen verses packed with can, stuff. Can you rank uh, the Johns for me? Uh, favorite? First... Third, second. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I can't really beat First John. There's so much stuff in there. It's also the first book I translated in the Greek, uh, into into from straight from the Greek. Nostalgia uh, there. Oh, a little nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys are ever learning Greek, this is just totally free. Uh, John is so repetitive, and the vocabulary is so similar that if once you learn some basic stuff, you can actually read the Bible in Greek. Um, pretty pretty fascinating. Pretty cool. So. All right. Well, let's do some. Uh, let's do some questions, man. Yeah. Um, uh, this the, the title of the sermon was "Imitate Good," taken from verse uh, eleven. Uh, it could have been changed to "Are you a villain?" <laughs> could have been. That could have been a title of, of the sermon after writing it. But uh, we're going to look at the villain uh, the, as we begin nine through ten, Third uh, John. Uh, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, uh, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge my our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Your first point, do you insist on being first? And uh, you said uh, that word first, right? Is that kind of where you were getting at? It's, yeah. You said you also saw it in Colossians, is that right? Yeah, so the, the word um, who likes to put himself first um, Philoprotuo, I think it's it's in the Greek. It's uh, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament. But that root word proteo is is from coming from the word preeminent, which is used in Colossians one eighteen. So mm-hmm. it seems as if he's trying to make himself preeminent, right, mm-hmm. or first, uh, not understanding his relationship to be an under shepherd of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the word insist uh, is I think that's a great First Corinthians thirteen love does not insist. On its own way. So I wanted to kind of try to take those two things and kind of put them together. So do you insist on putting yourself first? Yeah, that's good. Um, and then you kind of helped us flesh this out by giving us four quick questions that maybe you might be putting yourself first. If you do not acknowledge the authority of others, do you gossip about others, do you welcome others, do you help others welcome others? Is there anything you'd like to add or take away as this idea of do you insist on being first? Yeah, yeah. I think you know when you think about this idea. I think that a lot of a lot of our interpersonal communications, when we are offended by people, when we are in in anger with someone, uh, when we're um, kind of maybe harboring bitterness, a lot of it has to do with this idea that we want to be more honored. We want to be first, mm-hmm. and when we're not, that's when things start to rubble it, rub, rub, kind of um, stir inside our own heart. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is the antithesis of what a Christian should be. Christians should be ones who are, are deferring or laying their lives down. Yeah. We see this even in, in Third John. I didn't even reference that I prayed it. I think, but both in, as I concluded the sermon. But Jesus says, you know, by this we know love that Jesus laid down his life for the brothers. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, he demonstrated what it means not to put yourself first by laying your life down, and then he charges us to do the same. Yeah. And so often we. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, and I think that if you look at Diotrephus, the, the, the description is he loves to put himself first, and there's several attributes of what he did 
that model that characteristic. That's what I was kind of drawing, drawing out there. Um, but maybe I ask you guys, do you, do you guys see what are common ways we just put each other's first, put ourselves first in your own life or in people that you see in the, in the life of the body? Well, I would just say, as I was uh, listening to the sermon, um, just thinking how circumstances can change to make us want to put ourselves first. Like, um, let's say I've got a little headache. Well, all of a sudden, I want to be first, and I want everyone around me to be quiet. I want the lights to be off. Um, and just the, the circumstance of that, uh, with you with a new baby, right? Like Levi's asleep. Everything is quiet because if he wakes up, what do you have to do? You have to take care of him. And so I think circumstances Isn't in that. True? <laughs> <laughs> I know Jamie uh, takes care of him, but, um, I, I think that was one um, how just a little, little bit of twinge uh, in our circumstances can all of a sudden make us desire uh, to be first. And sadly, um, as I was convicted during the sermon, uh, that's what's rooted down in my heart, uh, the desire to be first, um, if it's just a little circumstance that can change that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess maybe uh, the question would be then, um, where does self-preservation come in? So we're talking about getting sabbatical, right? Resting. How do you differentiate between those two of, you know, not, because you know, I guess the, someone could say, I'm just going to work, 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 give, 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 and they end up burning themselves out, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can use the illustration of, you know, you put your own mask on before you have somebody else's mask on. You know, what they always say when you get on a plane. Um, you want to take care of yourself, right? Um, you know, I mean, Paul says to husbands, you know, no one hates his own body, but he cares for it. Therefore, you should care for your wife because she's part of your own body. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's, you know, we all know that we're going to care for ourselves. Like no one's going to do things intentionally to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but we want to think about, you know, are we going to get our way? Um, we're not talking maybe physical. I don't think this is all about self-preservation, but yeah. putting yourself per first is not about survival here. It's really about, do I get my way? Uh, is my opinion, you know, put forward? Mm. Um, you know, uh, I hear many pastors say it's important for, uh, pastors to lose elder votes, right? That they don't have a bunch of yes men surrounding them, right? Because you can easily be led that way. Mm. And I just think that you got to have people in your life who are willing to speak, um, you know, things to you that you're willing to kind of lay your preferences down for them. Mm. So, um, so I don't think this is direct, directly self-preservation. Yeah. Um, because, you know, of course you have to eat, right? Yeah. But you can eat last. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a yeah. difference. Like, you're still going to eat. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Yeah, J.D. Greer, his uh, gospel book, he, he talks about the, the mentality that you can get into of like, well, I'll just never spend any money on soft drink ever again because that money could go somewhere and it's like you kind of get in this mentality of like everything I could sacrifice but then you never sit back and say well I, I need I still need Jesus you know I, I need God and so I think that was a good balance to just kind of figure because when I heard that I think I heard it earlier maybe in the, the early in third John we talked about physical health yeah. you know and just him giving himself and 
you hope his health is good. Just where's that balance? I think that's a good thing for people to work over in their mind. Yeah. Like you need rest. You need time with your family. You need to you know, relax. Um, well, I think this is why if you put God first, if you understand that God is number one, everything else is going to flow from that, right? You know, so because God is first, we realize that God is the only one who, who never slumbers or sleeps. Mm. He's the only one who never tires, you know. Young men grow tired and weary, you know, we all faint, right? But only Christ doesn't. So mm. we, by by eliminating our work ethic, we're really not saying we're first. We're actually saying we're actually not needed as much because we don't have to be first, right? Yeah. So as a pastor, I don't have to be the only one teaching, right? Uh, I can have um, all the elders are doing teaching now. So I'm, 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 I'm giving them opportunities. And what is that showing? Saying, listen, I don't need to be the main authority. So that's part of the idea. You said... Um... I mean, you said our biggest challenge, and you, you said it. That's it. This is our biggest challenge, to fall under two sides, either doctrinal heresy on one side or rejecting others because they aren't in our camp. You know, would, you, would you call that something, maybe? Yeah, so here's I, I said the greatest challenge for our day right now. Right? That, that, that may change. Right, It's not our greatest challenge for the Christian life. Our greatest yeah. challenge is always to continue to hold fast to Jesus. Right, So don't okay. be misheard there, but... Sorry. Um, no, it's, 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 it's okay. Well, I did say for the challenge for our day, right? Because, I mean, you think about this context about, about putting yourself first. This is what I see happening largely in the evangelical world, right? You see certain people really, really concerned with worldly ideologies that tend to come into the church and undercut the gospel. That's a very serious concern, right? Uh, I've mentioned those in Second John. I mentioned them in First in, in John. Those are things we should be very, very concerned with. At the, on the other side of things... We want to maybe extend that too far, and because they don't believe the exact same things that we do, interpret the Bible the exact same way that we do, we cut you off and say you're you're not a brother or sister in Christ. We call you a heretic, maybe um, prematurely, right? And therefore, we are not welcoming the brothers and sisters. That's also a danger, right? Because you become like this. You're not. Um, we're, we're putting. We're not welcoming the brothers. Well, if you're not welcoming the brothers and sisters of God. Right, or in First John five, right? If you do not love anyone who has been born of God, loves those who love God, right? So those are the things. I think that that's where the we want to be right there in the middle. And I think we're going to swing on both those fences. We have to protect both those borders. That's kind of what I was getting at. Grant, anything like that? Um, no. I mean, I thought it was explained very well. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. Um, anything with this point before we move on to the next? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this idea of I would just kind of maybe have you guys drill down in your own hearts in terms of how you view authority, right? Mm. I could have talked about this for a whole entire sermon. The way people respond to authority really is a great indicator of their walk with the Lord. Do you trust God as your sovereign king that he's placed these authorities over you? Or are you constantly feel like you have to challenge and push against that authority? And listen, it's not saying you can't challenge authority, but you challenge authority with a submissive, gracious attitude. Mm. Hey, I think this may be about, hey, what do you want? Like there's, there's more of humility that we need to have. I think when we have that prideful spirit, like you're doing it wrong, I think that's when we realize, hey, there may be something in me where I don't like this because it's not my idea, um, you know, or this is it's not my thing that's being promoted. Well, listen, all gifts come from God, right? So if um, you did a fantastic job, by the way, during the elder um, uh, exhortation, you know, for the assurance of pardon, and I was, I mean, I was, I was actually, I was weeping when you when you're kind of talking about where we can behold our God, you know, uh, the lion. I mean, it was really, it was really, it stirred my heart. Well, I'm rejoicing in God giving you the gift to teach in that moment, right? 
and I don't feel threatened. Or, oh my gosh, Wit did such a great job doing that, <laughs> that elder exhortation. People aren't going to like my sermon as much because they just heard a really good exhortation. Like, like that's silly, right? That's the human heart. Right. The human heart wants to be praised, so you're always on on guard there, right? So if this person gets a promotion and you don't, like, well, why didn't I get it, right? Or this person got an opportunity, why didn't I get that opportunity? Well, God is the one who orchestrates all that, right? So let's give him honor and praise and glory for it, not like, why not me? So, I mean, would you... See, that's why I think this idea of authority is a really, really big thing. Yeah. You well, know. As, as, of course, uh, Jesus showed us how to submit to authority um, himself. Uh, Jesus Christ, being God in the flesh, uh, never defended himself, but defended the Father's will. Yeah. Because he was in submission to the Father. He, wasn't, he didn't need to defend himself because he wasn't. That wasn't what his goal was. His goal was to fulfill the Father's will perfectly. Yeah. yeah, and I think this is just one of the things that we have to continue to fight for as Christians is that quiet space where we're analyzing our own hearts and our own motives, mm-hmm. right? Um, Philippians 4, 12, and 13, living the Word of God is living and active, right? And because living and active, we are going to be laid bare before it, right? So when we're reading the Word of God and saying, God, teach us, expose my, my sinful attitudes and expose my heart, well, then we can see oh, whoa, when I said that, I really was trying to put myself first. Mm. I didn't even realize it at the time. And then I can go back to someone I can confess, hey, I, I'm sorry for that, you know. Um, so Something I do um, in my own prayer life, uh, along, along with prayer walking with other people, is I'll prayer walk just myself, and I'll just kind of say to the Lord, like let my, my thoughts and my feelings kind of be in your presence and just mull over things that are going on in my life and then go to him and take those things into prayer. And I think often things that come to my mind first are things that have been bothering me or an interaction that I didn't like. And what I'm able to do is analyze my emotions, my intentions, what was, oh, that was pride. And then what I do is take those things to the Lord. Lord, forgive me for that. Help unity here or, you know, whatever it is. I think it's just, I think like you said, um, having that time to just analyze it a little bit but also then take it to God and, and help him, you know, or uh, let him help us deal with those yeah, things. Fantastic. Um, your second point, do you imitate? Do you imitate? Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, this point? Well, I think you, the answer to your question, do you imitate, is yes, we do imitate. Okay. What do you imitate is the key question, right? We're going to be imitators, right? Um, you know, children, you'll find this with Levi. As he gets older, he's going to start walking and talking like you. God, glory. Glorious! It's, it's, it's gonna be a great thing when it happens. I hope you guys aren't listening while driving. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic. Uh, uh, but I think we we're, we're natural that right. So like you know this is one of the the dangers of, of being a leader right. People often want to emulate you right because you're a leader right. The Bible says it. Look at the your leaders imitate their way of life and the outcome of their faith right. It's not imitate exactly what they do. But we like, oh, I like this person. That person is a good dad. I want to be a good dad like that person. So you start to implement those things or, mm-hmm. or whether it's a good preacher, whatever your field is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think by nature, that's what we are, right? So I think that that Philippians 2 passage um, is really has always been helpful for me, right? We should have this mind among ourselves that is ours in Christ Jesus, who Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider some equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of human likeness servant 
right? So to be a human is to serve. We are going to serve somebody. We're going to serve God or we're going to serve the evil one, right? So this idea that to think that we are only individuals and that we are only individuals unto ourselves, I don't think that's real, right? Because we are always going to be influenced by those that we look up to, right? Whether we perceive it or not. So um, this is why I think so often you see in the Psalms, don't envy the wicked, right? The wickeds are the ones who are praised in our day, and there's always a temptation to envy and imitate yeah. the world. I want to be like them because they get praised uh, from from you know from the worldly you know culture, uh, but their end is destruction. Don't envy them, right? So we want to just kind of, and of course, I was trying to draw out here the gospel that which is good is Jesus Christ. He is the epitome of good because good in the, in the biblical way, biblical terms, is perfection, right? We look at good as just being moral. Uh, but I think good is perfection. So that's good. Um, and you, you made a comment in this point, which I thought was really good. The world is trying to take your eyes off Christ. Um, what are some examples maybe that you all can think of as elders, things you see in the church of maybe not necessarily evil things in themselves, but things that are just tempting us to take our eyes off Jesus? Yeah, I, mean, I think activities for your kids will always be a temptation. Right, you know, keeping those in proper perspective is always important. I think busyness is an is a big one, right? Even church busyness, right? I'm going to be doing all these things, and because I'm doing all these things, I don't have the time to sit and think, and consider my own heart, and consider mm-hmm. my walk with God, and just meditate on the Lord. Um, you know, those are the first two things that come to mind that I think are probably pretty dominant in, in our American culture. Would you? I would say entertainment. Yeah. We desire to be entertained. Um, whether it be by a sermon, whether it be by interaction with a friend, mm-hmm. whether it be a ball game, yeah, um, I would say that's probably where we waste the most of our time. Listen to sermons, yeah, wanting <laughs> 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 to be entertained yeah. and our ears to be tickled. Yeah, so I think there's there's a, there's always a balance here, right? Because you you know that God created all things good, right? That we live in a culture that God gave us gave us good things, give us good friendships. We should we should rejoice in those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, if we for we, anything that's out of balance, if we love any one thing more than another, right? As um, Augustine would say, like our, for we are disordered loves, right? We get out of balance, right? So we just have to make sure that we we are st- we stay in balance. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, your last point: Are you intentional? You got an answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we jump into the third, you can't you can't skip over Demetrius. I mean, what a what a great uh, example mm-hmm. that he gave us in Demetrius, um, and it it made me after service uh, walk up to a few people um, and hug them and said, "Thank you, Demetrius." Um, for just being one that you can imitate or yeah. that has a good testimony. Um, and I think we need to rejoice in people that God's put in our lives that are good Demetriuses. I think that's just kind of where I was trying to go in that in that, in that last point, is that the, the each by name, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when we, I mean, he's doing it here. He's talking to Gaius. He's talking to, about Demetrius. Right. You know, Paul probably does it more than John. Paul mentions people's names a lot more than mm-hmm. Than even John does, you know, Aristarchus, Epaphroditus, um, and even Demas before he went off into the world, um, Luke, um, Timothy, Mark, Titus. Timothy, Titus. I mean, there's just, there's just, there's <laughs> there's just, there's just, there's just, 
you know, so there, there's, a, there's a lot there. And I think it's, it's really important for us to understand that, like, the church is made up of people, right? Mm-hmm. And I really pressed us to know each other's names. And I, sometimes we kind of take it for granted. Well, I don't have a good memory. I forget names. That's, that's all well and good, right? But we really want to work towards intimacy, right? If you have a, um, a grandchild, you know your grandchild's name, right? Why? Because they're important to you, right? You know, uh, you don't just say, hey, boy, right? Hey, girl, right? Um, so it's harder, right? It's going to take a little bit more effort. But that's, as we grow, that's going to be really, really important. That's because I told the church, man, my goodness. I, this past week was so encouraging to me as a pastor because people just kind of calling me. I have never felt love like this from a church before. It was so great when blank came over to my house and sat with me. Mm. It was so good when so-and-so brought me a meal. Like, man, I was I was really down in the dumps the other day and blank called me and encouraged me. Like, they're, they're naming you by name, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not just, that, that's that's the intimacy that I think I want to kind of continue to foster in the life of the, life of the congregation. And listen, it's going to be hard as the church grows, right, to know everyone's name. Mm-hmm. Get it. We're going to try to get the directory out there for you, do different, different ways, but that's one way to say, okay, I'm willing to lay down even five minutes of rest to look at the church directory to learn each other's names or to, you know, ask someone, hey, what was that person's name, right? And really kind of figure out a way to, to know their name um, as a sign of love. So. Um, as a sign of love, but I mean, even as our members meeting, right, we, we covenant together. We have certain responsibilities for each other. And, it's, and, it's, and to be honest, it'd be very difficult to do some of those responsibilities if you don't know that person. Even as Jesus, right, you know, bring the sheep back. It's hard to go get the sheep if you don't know the sheep. You know, it's just yeah. not not once again, not that you're gonna know them perfectly, but to have some relationship that they they know when you go after them that you love them and you have the best intentions. It's always good. And that, that's excellent because here's here's what here's one of the challenges, right? So when. When God, I think, gave us a, a, to a church when we were healthy, finally I would say, okay, we are a biblically healthy church. We probably had 140 people, right? Well, now, an average service, we're having over 300 people. It's very different, yeah. right? So you have 140 people. I know them really well. And sometimes if you're part of that 140, the church is growing, you can almost get a little bit discontented that you don't know everybody yeah. or that like the church doesn't feel like it once did. Or you could say, you know what, we want to continue to fight to be a healthy church. And to do that, we have to know each other. We have to grow each other. We have to continue to open our, our lives to, to people in, in the life of the church. There's always going to be certain people you're going to be more intimate with. Great. Amen. Deep friendships are a wonderful thing. Uh, but there's also like, oh, that they're a part of my congregation and I love them and I pray for them. Yeah. Right? There's people that I pray for um, that I don't talk to sometimes for a month. Right? But I think about them. Right? Because they're a member of my church. Think of Jesus, right? He says, you know, if you only like those, or if you only love those who are like you, I think it's very, we can follow that even at church, right? We just talk to the same people every week, and we aren't willing to go out to talk to someone who's different, or maybe we, we don't necessarily know. It's kind of like, well, maybe there's a little comfortability. Maybe that text is saying, maybe we're being very much like the rest of the world, who will only talk to those that they already know, and don't want to reach out to them. Yeah, yeah, and I even thought the other day, like, I miss seeing people, because sometimes I stand at, at one door, I don't stand at the other door. I'm almost like, I'm going to have to start changing doors, right, because people coming out of <laughs> both ones. I want to make sure I see everybody, because there's certain people I see in the back when I'm preaching, mm-hmm. and then I go to the back, and they leave out a different door, and therefore I don't I don't talk to them, and yeah. like, I just want to give them a hug, and hugs are coming back, man, 
right? Post-COVID hugs, man. We're bringing it back. Um, <laughs> Trendsetters. So, <laughs> trend, trend we started the hug. Well, let me just close this out in prayer, guys. Uh, what, what a good conversation. Uh, Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray, Lord God, that you would just help us be a loving, uh, intentional church, God, that we would not be those who put ourselves first, but God, that we would uh, be willing to, uh, to serve uh, others uh, for the sake of your great name. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.